the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to Vatican Insider on a special weekend, certainly here in Italy. In fact, in the interview segment, I offer a special I've prepared called the Lazy Hazy Days of Ferragosto. On Monday in Italy, we celebrate the biggest holiday of the summer season, perhaps of the year, Ferragosto, the name Italians give to the August 15th Solemnity of the Assumption. Ferragosto refers to the Ferie Augusti, meaning holidays of August. I look at the origin of the word Ferragosto and also at how the expression, the dog days of summer, was born. And I'll tell you how the ancient Romans beat the midsummer heat. I think you'll learn a lot and have a few laughs at the same time, so tune in for that after the news and the Q&A. But now the news highlights of the past week at the Vatican. Sunday, August 7th. At the Angelus, Pope Francis spoke about the day's gospel that recalled when Jesus reassured his disciples to not be afraid, but also to be ready at all times. After reciting the Marian prayer, the Pope expressed his satisfaction that grain ships have been allowed to leave Ukrainian ports. This step shows it's possible to dialogue and achieve concrete results which benefit everyone. Therefore, this event can be seen as a sign of hope, and I sincerely hope that following this path, we can put an end to the fighting and arrive at a just and lasting peace. Francis also remembered the Polish pilgrims who died in a bus crash in Croatia on Saturday morning. They were on a pilgrimage to Medjugorje. At least 12 people were killed and another 32 were injured. I learned with sorrow the news of the bus crash yesterday morning in Croatia, said the Pope. Several Polish pilgrims on their way to Medjugorje lost their lives and others were injured. May Our Lady intercede for them and their families. Monday, August 8th. In a telegram sent by Secretary of State Cardinal Pietro Parolin to the President of the Bishops' Conference of Cuba, Bishop Emilio Aranguren Echeverria, Pope Francis said he was praying for those affected by a huge fire caused by lightning strikes on the Matanza supertanker base in Cuba. He expressed his closeness to the Cuban people and the loved ones of those affected by the massive oil-fed fire at the supertanker port. The blaze began Friday night after lightning struck a fuel storage tank at a depot in Matanzas. The fire spread to a second storage tank on Saturday morning, triggering further explosions. The Holy Father said he is closely following the news about the unfortunate accident that caused at least one death and many wounded and missing. Also Monday, Pope Francis recalled the great faith, wisdom, and long and fruitful service of the late Cardinal Joseph Tomko, Prefect Emeritus of the Congregation for the Evangelization of Peoples, who passed away Monday at age 98. He was the oldest member of the College of Cardinals. In remembering this esteemed and wise brother, who sustained by deep faith and a far-sighted gaze, humbly and self-sacrificingly served the gospel and the church, I think with gratitude of his long and fruitful work in the Holy See as a diligent and prudent collaborator of my predecessors. Francis sent condolences to Archbishop Bernard Bober of Kosice, where the late Cardinal will be buried. 
Created a cardinal in 1985 by Pope St. John Paul, the Slovak-born cardinal passed away Monday, August 8th, in his Rome apartment near St. Peter's Square. The Pope called Tomko an illustrious son of the nation, and he praised the late cardinal's deep faith, wisdom, and self-sacrifice in serving the Church and Gospel. Tuesday, August 9th. Pope Francis sent a tweet on the occasion of the International Day of the World's Indigenous Peoples. Celebrated annually on August 9th, this day was established by the United Nations in 1994 to raise awareness and to protect the rights of the world's indigenous population. The Pope tweeted, How precious is that profoundly genuine sense of family and community among indigenous peoples, and how important it is to cultivate properly the bond between young and old and to maintain a healthy and harmonious relationship with all of creation. Wednesday, August 8th, Pope Francis gave the last of 16 weekly catechesis on old age at the weekly general audience held in the Paul VI Hall due to the extremely hot weather in Rome. We now consider Jesus' words of farewell to his disciples as recorded in St. John's account of the Last Supper, began the Pope. On the eve of his death, our Lord encourages the disciples to persevere in faith, and he assures them he's going to prepare a place for them in the house of the Father. Like the first disciples, the Pope went on, Christ's followers in every age live in joyful expectation of the fulfillment of that promise. Old age can be an especially fruitful time for bearing witness to the message of hope proclaimed by the gospel. By their serene faith and trust in Christ's promises, the elderly can show us that our time on earth is meant to be lived as a preparation for something immensely greater, the joy of eternal life in the company of our Lord and all the saints in the heavenly Jerusalem. Speaking to pilgrims gathered in the Paul VI Hall, Pope Francis once again turned his thoughts to the people of Ukraine, who, he said, still suffer from this cruel war. He also asked for prayers for the many migrants arriving at this time and urged everyone to build peace in their families and society. I urge everyone to build unity and peace in the family, in the church, and in society. It is not easy to be peacemakers, both in the family and in the church, and to build unity, but we have to do it because it's important work. Since the Russian invasion on February 24th, Pope Francis has expressed no fewer than 60 times his closeness to Ukraine, and he has made explicit his desire to travel personally to Kiev to bring comfort and hope to the people affected by the war, also warning on the danger that the world might slowly turn its gaze away from the conflict. Likewise, the Pope has said he is willing to travel to Moscow to plead for an end to the war. However, as confirmed in a recent interview by the Vatican Secretary of State, Cardinal Pietro Parolin, dialogue between Rome and Moscow on this issue is difficult, and there has been no explicit invitation for the Pope to go to Russia. Francis then renewed his expressions of closeness in a special way to those affected by the tragedy caused by the explosions and fire at the oil depot in Matanzas in Cuba. Let us ask our Mother, Queen of Heaven, to watch over the victims of this tragedy and their families. Also Wednesday, 
In a video message, Pope Francis encouraged a parish group in Argentina who went on mission among indigenous peoples, recalling that going on mission means going out of ourselves to give others the best of ourselves and what God has given us. The group of missionaries, young people, and adults was from the parish of Our Lady of the Assumption in Argentina, Nostra Signora de la Asuncione. The 30 missionaries spent a week among the Huichi communities, accompanying families, celebrating masses, and bringing the word of God among the indigenous peoples with the motto, Dreams are built together. Thank you for what you have done. Thank you for this work, Pope Francis said to them in a video message, and he urged them to keep going with their mission. Thursday, August 11th. Pope Francis, Thursday morning, participated privately at the funeral mass of the late Cardinal Joseph Tomko, celebrated at the altar of the chair in St. Peter's Basilica. He presided over the funeral rites of commendatio and valedictio for the late Slovakian cardinal. Cardinal Giovanni Battista Rey, the dean of the College of Cardinals, presided over the Mass. Friday, August 12th, was a quiet day in the Vatican, literally no news. August 14, 15, and 16 are Vatican holidays commemorating the Assumption. Well, those are the top news stories, but stay here for my special on Ferragosto and August in Rome. And stay cool. Welcome to the Q&A segment of Vatican Insider. At the end of this month, August 2022, a consistory will be held at the Vatican for the creation of 20 new cardinals, specifically on August 27th. People have asked me, what is a consistory? Is it a meeting, a liturgy? What is it? A consistory is a particular kind of assembly of the College of Cardinals called by the Pope and conducted in his presence. Consistories are either public, at which the Pope and Cardinals gather in the presence of others for some important purpose, or private, at which only the Pope and Cardinals are present. An example of a public consistory is the assembly at which the Pope raises new members to the College of Cardinals. Private consistories are held to discuss the most important of Church matters. The term consistory comes from the Latin consistere, standing together. Early popes conferred with their Roman presbytery, which included the deacons appointed to oversee different parts of Rome. This tradition continued as deacons were replaced with cardinals, and those cardinals, from among whom the pope was chosen, continued to meet at the request of successive popes. Consistories allow the pope to create new cardinals in the presence of the college. The identities of the cardinals-to-be are generally announced sometime in advance, but only at the time of the consistory does the elevation to the cardinal take effect, since that is when the Pope formally publishes the decree of elevation. Some men have died before the consistory date, and if a Pope dies before the consistory, all the nominations are voided. Traditionally, the term consistory was a legal term that referred to a chamber or room in the imperial palace in Rome where the emperor administered justice. Later on, church courts were called consistory courts. EWTN, communicating the faith. 
My wife is Catholic, my mother's Catholic, and I went to a weekend retreat to get married in the church. And I was just getting confused about what steps you need to take to be baptized, because I'm willing to do that. My wife does go to church regularly, and I need to. Sure, yeah, I can help you. The easiest thing to do is to call the parish and tell them you'd like to become Catholic and you'd like to be baptized. They'll fix you up from there. From Rome to your home, EWTN's Vatican Bureau lets you watch all of the important events from Rome, even if you don't have a TV. Using the latest technology, we've made it possible to watch the latest news from the Holy See, all delivered directly to your home. It's easy. Watch live on EWTN YouTube and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. Why do we need to pray? We don't pray because God needs our prayers. We pray because we need God's grace. And every day when I face the day, I realize I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) And I need God to walk me through my day, step by step, giving me the grace, the counsel, the love, the encouragement that enables me to glorify him in everything that I do and become the person he wants me to be. Prayer is my lifeline. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Welcome to Vatican Insider. It's August, usually a hot month in the Northern Hemisphere, and it even seems like the tropics in so many parts of the world this summer. It's been a really brutal summer in Europe for heat waves, droughts, rivers drying up, and attempts by governments to ration water and so on. Today, I want to look at August in Italy on this special I've prepared that I call the lazy, hazy summer days of Ferragosto. On Monday in Italy, we celebrate the biggest holiday of the summer season, Ferragosto, the name Italians give to the August 15th Solemnity of the Assumption. Ferragosto refers to the Ferie Augusti, meaning the holidays of August. These appear to have originated in 18 B.C., when the Roman Emperor Augustus declared that the entire month of August would be dedicated to the Ferie, a series of festivals and celebrations, the most important of which fell on the 13th and was dedicated to the goddess Diana. Though the term Ferragosto is pagan in origin, in Italy it refers to the midsummer holidays, but is interchangeable with the Feast of the Assunta, the Assumption, strictly a religious celebration. There has been a constant tradition in the church that Mary was assumed into heaven, and as early as the 5th century, this feast was celebrated in Syria, spreading to other parts of the world over the centuries. In the 12th century, this feast was celebrated in the city of Rome and in France. From the 13th century onwards, this was a certain tenet of faith, and in 1950, Pope Pius XII declared this dogma infallibly an ex-cathedra. The pace of life is much slower in Rome in July and August, especially August, and you'll see a lot of chiuso per ferie, closed for vacation signs, posted on the shutters of stores, pharmacies, florists, some restaurants and coffee bars, newsstands, tobacconists, hardware stores, movie theaters, and small neighborhood food markets known as alimentari. The phones of friends, including many who work in the Roman Curia, often ring empty. The peace and quiet of Rome, due to the shuttered stores and the greatly reduced traffic, is, to put it simply, marvelous. 
It seems like you could shoot a cannon down the middle of some of the city's main streets and not hit a thing. The souvenir stores and mini-markets that dot every street in Rome will be open for business as usual. The markets open about 7 in the morning and they close about midnight. Life is extra quiet in the Vatican as well. When the Pope is away on vacation, or in the case of Pope Francis, on a reduced work schedule or staycation, this mini-state is almost deserted. The Vatican stores, pharmacy, and medical center, however, all have reduced hours because so many employees are away on prolonged vacations. Vacations are quite generous in the summer, at Christmas, and at Easter for employees of Vatican City State or the Roman Curia. Employees who live outside of Italy receive an added three days of vacation for travel time to the month-long vacation, and those who live outside of continental Europe receive five additional travel days. These vacations usually compensate for working six days a week the rest of the year, which makes weekend travel generally impossible. Except for the Angelus, there are no public and few private audiences when the Pope is on vacation. Curial activity slows down in the summer and stops completely on August 14, 15, and 16, all of which are holidays. Only the press office and Secretariat of State are open for business, and only with the skeletal staff. However, the last few years have been a vast improvement on the early years I lived in Italy, especially when there were very few supermarkets. Once upon a time, Italians bought most of their food at three places, the local alimentari, the neighborhood butcher, and the local fruit and vegetable store. Each store was assigned a letter, either A or B, for summer vacations. When A stores closed, B stores could not, and vice versa. This was to avoid all stores in one neighborhood closing at the same time, forcing people to go longer distances for food. Now, of course, we have supermarkets. I can also remember when the local newspapers actually published the names of the few doctors, including specialists, who were available in Rome at vacation time, as well as a list of the few pharmacies that would be open in a given period. Years ago, many coffee bars and restaurants closed for a month in the summer, especially because so few had air conditioning. Since the historically hot and brutal summer of 2003, four non-stop months of record heat ending in mid-September, more and more stores, bars, and restaurants have installed air conditioning. Over 10,000 people died in France that summer, and approximately 1,000 died in Italy. By law, restaurants and bars must close one day a week, and that day is always posted outside the entrance or on the shutter. Some overlook this law, while others ask special permission to remain open seven days. For example, if a restaurant has its weekly closing on Monday, but Monday of a given year is Christmas or Ferragosto, the owner would ask permission from the proper authorities to open that day, or they might simply open without the proper permission. Until the summer of 2013, popes generally spent all or much of the summer period at Castel Gandolfo. St. John Paul and Benedict XVI often spent some time in July in northern Italy at a vacation home belonging to a diocese or diocesan seminary. Long walks in the woods, picnics, some downtime for reading, and in the case of Benedict, some quiet time to play the piano, and cooler temperatures marked those periods. You really have to spend an August in Rome, 
especially just before and after Ferragosto, to understand the impact, how life here at that time of the year is totally different from anything we'd know or have experienced in the U.S., how a major city almost becomes a ghost city. Aside from the heat that can't take your breath away, I love August in Rome. The streets are almost empty, fewer cars means fewer horns honking, and at times it seems like there are even fewer ambulances with sirens blasting away. I love that there are fewer motorbikes. I've never had a car here. I walk, take a bus, or when needed, hail a taxi. As far as buses go in August, there are a lot more seats available. Now, I want to turn to an amusing look at Ferragosto, courtesy of Bob Moynihan of Inside the Vatican magazine. I saw a post of his a few years ago that I felt depicted summer in Rome, especially the hot and heady dog days of summer, with a bullseye precision. With Bob's kind permission, I offer you this page from his journal. In these days in Rome, the heat is infernal, and the Italians are saying so. A headline here reads, in translation, Lucifer's not in a hurry. Italy is an inferno. The report goes on. Lucifer isn't in a hurry to take a vacation. He will remain to keep us company with the two tongues of flame at least until the end of the week. And there's also this. On August 15th, infernal temperatures are expected. So it seems likely this will continue a bit longer. Bob continues. Today at midday in Rome, it was 40 degrees Celsius, 104 degrees Fahrenheit. There was hardly a flicker of a breeze, perhaps two miles an hour every so often. And though it seems quite dry for Rome, the humidity here is still about 25%. That's the problem with Rome. Not so much the heat, but the humidity, often much higher than 25%. In fact, one report says humidity and other factors are making it feel much hotter with the so-called, quote, perceived temperature in Campania, the region around Naples. This was estimated at a broiling 55 degrees Celsius or 131 Fahrenheit. That's what it says, 131 degrees. Of course, that's just perceived temperature, but it's still pretty hot if you are the perceiver. Bob continues, It's so hot that you feel like you're inside a pizza oven when you're out in the sun. It's so hot that as you walk, you look right and left for any shady spot, under a colonnade, by the walls of a building, under cafe awnings, anywhere there's a bit of shade rather than stay in the sunlight. Anything for a bit of relief from the sun's pounding bright rays. Still, there are pilgrims. God bless them, many of them seemingly Chinese, gathering by the doors of the Vatican museums, walking up the long walls, braving the heat of the day in order to see the treasures. But many old people and shut-ins are in trouble. In Milan, there's been a spike in calls from old people, as thousands have called for medical assistance. Animals and crops are also in trouble. Cows are producing 20% less milk. And Italy's olive and grape harvest this fall are expected to be down by a similar amount due to the heat and dryness. The water level in Lake Garda in the north is almost one-third below capacity. Now again, that was a couple years ago, but Bob goes on to present something from Patrick Brown, a writer for the local.it website, who has written an account of how the ancient Romans dealt with the heat. 
Brown writes that the Romans were no strangers to the summer heat. In fact, the modern term, the dog days of summer, actually comes from the Latin dies canicula, the Roman term used to describe the stuffy hot period of weather between July and mid-August. The name comes from the fact that Sirius, the dog star, rises with the sun at this time of year. Romans thought this was the reason for the increase in temperature. While they may not have been experts in meteorology, the Romans did know a few practical ways of coping in a heat wave. So what advice can they give us? And Patrick Brown goes on with five suggestions. One, go to the Frigidarium. The Frigidarium was a large, cold pool at the Roman baths where Romans went to cool down. The waters of the Frigidarium were kept chilly in the summer months thanks to the addition of snow and ice that had been imported from the Alps. Second idea, leave work early. One in Rome, leave work early. The ancient Romans did not do a 9-to-5 day. In fact, the average Roman only had a 6-hour workday toiling from sunrise until noon. This stopped them from having to labor during the hottest part of the day, and it left them with plenty of time to go and sit in the frigidarium with their friends. Third suggestion, eat snow. Granita, a delicious way to keep cool. Before gelato was invented, Romans, hoping for a cool snack, had to use what nature offered them. While the rich patricians and Roman nobility would often have huge stores of imported snow at home to keep them cool, citizens had to visit the snow shop. There, mountain ice was kept in underground pits and could sell for more money than wine. Fourth idea, turn on the air conditioning. Air conditioning in ancient Rome? Yep. The Romans were master architects, and they kept their homes cool during the summer months by employing a series of architectural tricks that provided ancient forms of air conditioning. For example, some rich residents pumped cold water through the walls of their home to freshen their dwellings during the summer months. Obviously, this was only for a select few, and the average Roman home, the insulae, were probably very stuffy indeed. Final suggestion. Many wealthy Romans escaped the heat of the summer months by going to their country houses in the hills outside Rome. With its restricted airflow and masses of heat-storing marble, ancient Rome was a furnace in summer, and the city's wealthy patricians were fully aware of what is known today as, quote, the urban heat island effect. Urban centers are, in fact, one to three degrees Celsius hotter during the day than the surrounding countryside, while at night the difference can be as much as 12 degrees Celsius, lower, of course. Now that's the difference between a good night's sleep and a sweaty night spent tossing and turning. Well, I've given you just a look at the lazy, hazy days of Ferragosto in Rome. Now you know when to come to Rome for a visit, or perhaps when not to come to the Eternal City. In any case, stay cool. For more information on these stories, or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, Go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.